0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, Talk Radio Without the Static. Email your questions and comments to Lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
1: Hey, uh, email your questions and uh, whatever to Lynn Cullen Show at gmail.com. Okay? Just a slight comment. Correction, it's typical of the Lynn Cullen show that, of course, the the, the lead-in to the show is incorrect <laughs> and has been for half a year, I guess. Well, you know, it's nice in a time when everything is moving so fast that... Uh, in some situations, we move ploddingly, slowly. Well, how you doing? It's a Monday. It's a rainy Monday, but at least it was a good football weekend in Pittsburgh, PA. Congratulations to the Panthers. And congratulations to the Pittsburgh Steelers for waking up in the second half. And... uh What else? It's December 6th. And it's too warm. I'm not complaining. I'm merely noting. And looking at the forecast, I see in our future, many days, too warm. (laughs) Something's not right. We know what it is, but it's it's bizarre, uh, living it and the implications of it. So... Rather than being able to enjoy a relatively balmy uh, December day uh, because it's unusual, now a balmy December day can make you anxious if you're somebody who thinks. I've been thinking about thinking. And wondering, how the hell do you turn your head off? I can't do it. And mine starts up in the middle of the night. And only visits places that are anxiety producing. I guess that's the way it works. <laughs> but once you're in that kind of a cycle, it's so hard to pull out.
0: Hmm.
1: I was reading something today and I came upon um, a word that annoys me and I'll just share that with you now. Okay. Cause I, you know, there are many grammatical things and uh, rhetorical things and whatever things having to do with linguistics, I guess is the general area that just annoy the hell out of me. And uh, for one, I know I've squawked about many times is free gift. Uh, There's so many times you're told, and it comes with a free gift. Well, what the hell is your definition of gift? It's something that's free. So why the repetition? There is a gift you pay for. Well, I suppose there are gifts you end up paying for. But free gift annoys me. And the other one, and I hear it constantly, it is pre-planned. Does that make any sense? If something is planned, it means it happened before the event or the thing or whatever it was that was planned. pre planned. Just I, it makes no sense. Planned means free just like free gift makes no sense what who comes up with this crap and then it sticks sorry just a little annoyance i had to get off i these little annoyances are gifts these days because there's something you can rant about and get all hot and bothered and you know i mean doesn't really mean damn thing except we're getting stupid but I mean, it doesn't mean much to anything. And then there's the other stuff that we have to deal with. God, there was a breathless piece. I think it was in the New York Times yesterday about you know, one of the supply chain issues. And it's that bagel shops in New York are running out of cream cheese. And this was a big article. Big story. Ah. And I guess, I mean, when when people are freaking out about the supply chain, I mean, are they, is this the kind of thing they're freaking out about? I guess it comes out of an absolutely terrible time because people make uh, cheesecake. Cream cheese is never more uh, needed than in this holiday season, apparently. But a bagel without cream cheese is, I'm sorry, guys. Not worth the time. Uh, and spokespeople for Kraft Heinz that makes Philadelphia cream cheese, generally considered the best, uh, have said they've it ain't their problem. They're putting the stuff out. It's a supply chain problem that it's not getting places. So uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about the supply chain thing. I bumped into it about a year ago when uh, my my living room, uh, I say couch. Most people say sofa. I say couch. And I used to say, get this, Davenport. Do you ever hear anybody use that term anymore, Davenport? I know it's a place in Iowa. But that's what. I remember in childhood calling a sofa a Davenport. And my dad owned a furniture store. So I don't know where I got that from, Davenport. Um, But it was about a year ago, I think, when my uh, old storied uh, couch, the one that uh, the dog had put highlighter all over, the one that had seen... A lot of action. Just flat out collapsed. I mean, it was filthy. The leg came out from under it. And um, I had to get a new one. So I ordered one. I couldn't just go pick one up because I needed a certain color to go with my other furniture. And so it had to be custom made. And I was told. That furniture is uh, coming in um, as much as six, seven, eight months after you order it, which was not the norm pre-COVID. And it had to do with, yeah, places closing down, supply chain issues, all that kind of stuff. So I waited. And now I'm looking at my all new Couch Davenport sofa, and I love it. And I had to wait for it a little bit. So effing what? Oh, but my kid wants a game console that I can't find. Wait. You know what a supply chain uh, crisis is? Remember looking at pictures of like uh, in the Soviet era, of poor uh, Russians standing in the cold in long, 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 long lines just to get into a, a store that maybe had two loaves of bread on, in it. That is a supply
0: chain issue. I understand there is, yeah.
1: There's some quirks, and it's the result of the pandemic. But let's blame it on Biden and be done with it. And I can never think
0: of the Soviet Union and people
1: standing around all day to get a loaf of bread or eight ounces of meat without thinking of this story that I've told you many times. And I'm going to tell it again, because it all comes together here. Uh, This was in the period of Perestroika and Glasnost. Remember those? I don't know which one came first anymore. I think it was Perestroika. But this was when the Soviet Union started to crack. It was the time of Boris Yeltsin and Mikhail Gorbachev, right? And little cracks started happening. And because little cracks started happening, all of a sudden, some Soviet citizens found themselves able for the first time to leave the Soviet Union. for good, just to come visit somewhere else and then go back home. There was a woman in Penn Hills right outside of Pittsburgh, who had not seen her brother since World War II. They had been separated. She ended up in the United States, obviously, in the Penn Hills. He ended up stuck back home. And because of this opening, her brother was going to come visit And obviously, this is a huge thing in the life of those two. But they allowed me as a television reporter to, I didn't see the initial reunion. I find those things so invasive. But once he'd been here for a while, I went and interviewed him and her. And then I went grocery shopping with him. We went to a giant eagle. He had not been to a grocery store in the United States. I will never, ever forget. It's why I'm talking about it again now. How some experiences you have just stay with you forever. Because they represent a time, a moment when you saw the world in a different way. When you were treated to a perception, a perspective that had never occurred to you. And watching that old Russian man we got through the produce section he he was marveling he was barely moving but he was he could not believe the cornucopia of fresh vegetables and fresh fruits piled up and then we turned a corner Ended up in a aisle. I don't remember which aisle it was. My memory is cereal, but I doubt that that would have been it once you turn the corner from produce. (laughs) Having (laughs) in many grocery stores the general layout. But you know what grocery stores look like. Maybe it was soups. Maybe it was, uh, you know, canned vegetables. I don't know. But this guy got about
0: halfway through and then just stopped. He didn't speak English. He couldn't
1: stand it. He was
0: overwhelmed. I think he was angered. Think he
1: was disgusted. I don't know, but what I got from him was that my sense was is that he found it
0: obscene. The sheer amount, when it comes to
1: diversity, we're really good at diversity in the soup aisle
0: and the cereal aisle. He was stunned. And for an American like me, who'd never known
1: anything else but obscene plenty,
0: it was a moment that
1: never leaves me and makes me... I don't know. I can go off on a million different tangents with that, having witnessed that one man's
0: reaction to the plenty of America.
1: And that's a supply kind of problem, how some countries have so much. And other countries, let's not say countries because it's people,
0: and other people have so little. I had no idea I was going to go there, so sorry.
1: I still have a few gifts that man gave me. I have a... A box now, because I must have smoked them or somebody smoked them. Of cigarettes, it looks like a Marlboro box, kind of. It's the same kind of, but it's not because it's got Russian writing on it. He gave me a a stick pin of uh, Lenin. It's red. It, Red background and, and lenons in gold. <laughs> I still have that somewhere, too. When they come to take me away, charging me with being a commie, if they find my Lenin pin, it'll be the death of me. Oh, dear. All right. So what I had thought I wanted to talk about today was... Um, Something I sort of alluded to, I think, uh, last time we were together. And that's how the media, the regular old mainstream media, are not doing a very good job. And I have argued from the time I had a microphone in front of my face that probably the most important thing that we can teach our children is not the ABCs. Well, yeah, you got to get the ABCs in there. But right up, right next to them is media literacy. And I was saying that before the whole technological explosion, because we are pawns in the hands of the marketing and media ex- people who know how to use it how to manipulate and influence through choices, pictures, words, where things are placed, what is chosen to be even seen, what gets tossed out. And when you understand how it all works, you are much, much less in danger of being led around by your nose you're no longer a sheep media literacy gives a person extraordinary power so I've been noticing there was lead story actually two lead stories both I think one might have been Saturday, one might have been yesterday, not sure. Both New York Times, both sort of the lead story, the first big story above the fold on the right-hand column. And it's headlines that I want to talk about, because how many people read beyond them? I'll even, you know, there's whole parts of the paper that I go through. I read the headlines. And if I'm not interested in that story, I keep going. But if you read the headlines and then read the story, you are sometimes, if you're, again, thinking, you're sometimes stunned at what the headline suggested. Because in the body of the story, you find a different story, and the headline becomes and not right. And since most people only read the headlines, that means there's a lot of
0: misinformation getting out. So when the jobs report came out the other day,
1: Everybody was saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. That's like, that is like not, it is the weakest hiring uh, in November in, uh, oh, my God, oh, Lord. Economists had expected so much better. Yay! yay, yay. And so it's immediately couched as doom for Joe Biden. The headline in the New York Times has conflicting data on jobs, muddle outlook in U.S. And then the next little headline is a new hurdle for Biden. And then the next little one,
0: weakest hiring of year. And you know what? That was one in the same paper,
1: on an interior page, same edition. Here's the headline, same paper. But this one was in the B section, not the A section, and it was not on the front page, It was buried in the B section, the business section. And here's what it says. Once you get past the big number, November's jobs report isn't bad. All the indicators show an economy on the right track. Okay, so my head explodes. We hear that people's perceptions of the economy are, that it's not doing well. Many Americans are feeling very pessimistic,
0: but in fact, there was tons of good news in that very report
1: that yielded all of these negatives. Big jump in total on, excuse me, big jump in total employment. Big jump. The labor force actually grew by hundreds of thousands. And the unemployment rate, excuse me, (coughs) the unemployment rate, (coughs) excuse me, fell to 4.2%, which is way down from the month before. And in the second article, I find out that that kind of a swing is astounding. Unemployment was almost 7% last December. And now it's 4.2 in, in one year. There was that much improvement in the unemployment number. You know, the last time there was that kind of improvement, it took three and a half
0: years to achieve that. I point all this out because the media is addicted to negativity.
1: It's addicted to bad news. It's addicted to framing everything as, "Uh uh-oh, troubling, something you should worry about. And all you have to do is read headlines to know that's true. And if you ever get a little more energy and start reading beyond headlines,
0: you will often see that the headline is misleading. Here's another headline enraged me.
1: Same one, front page, New York Times. GOP voting bills raise the stakes for races in 2022. You know what they're talking about? This is a story about how 20 plus states and more, I would imagine, in this country right now, in the grips of Republican legislatures and governors, are trying to make voting extremely difficult for poorer people, for black people, for marginalized people. The erosion of one man, one vote. They're doing it through gerrymandering. They're doing it through these, you know, Limiting access to mail uh, ballots, uh, getting rid of drop boxes, uh, enacting, they're expanding the authority of partisan poll watchers. They're putting where there used to be uh, nonpartisan people calling the balls and strikes during an election, overseeing elections. They're now ensuring that those independent Officials will be replaced by partisan legislators. What this article is about is about the erosion of voting rights in the United States because of the Republicans. And my rage at this headline, GOP voting bills raise the stakes, for races, flurry of restrictions. Democrats vow to fight in little letters. And in the second paragraph of this article, if people read more, the New York Times will tell them that this flurry of restrictions is motivated mostly by the fact, well, I'll read it, mostly by a widespread denial that former President Donald Trump was defeated last year. And then they don't say, which is, of course, a lie. He lost, and he lost big, big.
0: So if the story is really about one of the parties
1: trying to make the next election one they'll be able to win through manipulation, through legislative manipulation, that does not deserve this mealy mouthed headline of GOP voting bills raise the stakes. You know what the stakes are? The very survival of the United States States of America's democracy, in as much as it still does exist. Annoys the hell out of me. And then, if you really want an indication of how Headlines work. Did you see this one? <coughs> it stopped me in my tracks. NASA says huge, potentially hazardous asteroid will break into Earth's orbit next week.
0: What?
1: Now, I have to say, that's a hell of a headline if. The job of a headline is to do exactly what this one did to me stop me in my tracks, made me read on. And so I did. Why haven't I heard of this? I saw the words hazardous, I saw Earth orbit, I saw huge, I saw all of that asteroid. Are you kidding me? And I started reading. And it, it's the size of the Eiffel Tower, and it's barreling toward us. And then I
0: see this, buried in the story. NASA considers a near-Earth object to be an asteroid that
1: comes within approximately 30 million Miles of Earth's orbit. Wait a minute. Are they saying this near
0: this huge potentially hazardous asteroid breaking into Earth's orbit next week? Is what?
1: How many millions of my millions? Miles away, and then reading on, I find, and I can't find it here years is that the moon is like right outside your window compared to where this thing will be. It's way, 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 way out there beyond the moon. I am just saying, what the hell? NASA says
0: huge, potentially hazardous asteroid's gonna break into Earth's orbit next week. Oh. This is a perfect indication
1: of how headlines and media exist to scare the bejeebers out of you because they're making money. They got your attention. And that's what it's all about, getting our attention. I have a few more because I have to tell you, I am so getting to the point where I cannot, this anymore. I just can't. I sort of have not spoken about this. I sort of missed it. But um, uh,
0: Kamala Harris
1: is just being eviscerated by media.
0: She's just being eaten alive. And
1: in the last few days, the headlines, well, here's one. A Kamala Harris staff exodus reignites questions about her leadership style. hmm Yeah. Here's the question I have for you. When is the last time you saw a story? I'm serious here about a male office holder's leadership style. I'm serious. When? Okay, when's the think of some other stories like this? How Leadership style is
0: creating trouble, grumbles in the staff, staff
1: departing. When's the last time you saw that kind of thing? The one that comes to my mind is during the Democratic primary for the presidential race in 2000. 20, Amy Klobuchar, when she started looking like a possible contender, the story started just <laughs> coming in in a torrent about her leadership style. This is misogyny that's not even because you cannot find these same articles about men because a man who's a difficult boss is considered a boss masculine in charge a woman who is in charge is considered a, a bitch her style is incorrect and so, you know, if you, again, are literate in terms of how media operate, and you see this takedown
0: of women in positions of power, it's just fascinating. The mainstream
1: media cannot Do enough stories on how somehow faltering Joe Biden is. He's gotten more done in less than a year in office
0: that Donald effing Trump did. Ever. But what sells soap is. Controversy and trouble and fear and anger. Someone actually tried to do a,
1: um why can't I find this thing? Tried to tally through an algorithm Coverage, a comparison of coverage of Trump's first 11 months and compared with Biden's first 11 months and to look at media coverage. The Washington Post, The New York Times, Fox News, whatever, whatever, you can look at them. Run them through this algorithm that knows, you know, how words are weighted forward and back. And you know what is
0: amazing? (laughs) The mainstream media is
1: as negative about Biden as it was with Trump. And sometimes more so.
0: And you'll say, well, there it is. There's
1: the media being a neutral body, just like it should be. No. Because one of these men is an actual functioning working president. The other is a white nationalist grifter intent on destroying our democracy and media give him the same level of negative coverage as the hardworking, no-nonsense Joe Biden. How
0: is that possible? Oh, here it is. It was a, um, I think, a piece by Dana Milbank.
1: The headline here, the media treats Biden as badly or worse than Trump. And here's proof. And and this thing just starts with some of the headlines, because headlines is where it's at. And that's where people get this. If you ask Americans, how are things going with the economy? And they'll say, really bad, really bad. Here's some headlines just from Politico in the last month. Let the democratic freakout begin. The other big intra-democratic fight. White House braces for bad CBO score. Biden dithers. The case for why
0: Biden is screwed. But in fact,
1: if you look and run it all, what they did is they went through 200,000 articles from 65 websites, newspapers, network, cable news, political publication, news wires, all all of that, to get what the sentiment analysis is of these stories and the
0: findings
1: as Milbank says, is that the media are serving as
0: accessories to the murder of democracy. Because these are not normal times.
1: And then he says, think about that. Think of Trump and what he did the hundreds of thousands of unnecessary deaths. We've just learned the fact that he himself spread COVID to God knows how many people knowing he was positive, face to face with children, old people, his own staff. It didn't matter. His embrace of violent white supremacists, his racism, his everything he did and culminating in January 6th. And yet Trump got press coverage as favorable or better than Biden is getting today. How is that possible? What has Biden done that's anywhere near as egregious as even one of the things I mentioned that Trump did.
0: Milbank says the country is in an existential struggle between self governance and
1: authoritarianism. And we in the news media have given equal, if not slightly more favorable,
0: Treatment to the authoritarians. Trump also got roughly twice as much coverage as Biden.
1: And the coverage of Biden is noticeably more negative.
0: And Milberg says, why would this
1: be? He says, maybe uh, reporters who are worried about looking like they're, uh, you know, I don't know, uplifting a Democrat. So they are pulling punches so they won't be called the elitist liberal media. Or. He says perhaps media, after losing the readership and viewership it enjoyed with a lunatic in the White House, are trying to drum up more
0: trouble, fear. Biden governs traditionally, while Republicans are
1: running this frightening campaign to delegitimize absolutely everything, every institution, every bit of trust Americans might have in this nation. My God, the Republicans, right up until the last minute, were were threatening to shut down our government this weekend because of Biden trying to fight the coronavirus with vaccine mandates. They're actively working to keep people from getting vaccinated because the more deaths, the more trouble, the longer this is prolonged, it
0: will mean they can blame it on Biden. Milbank ends his piece with, too many journalists
1: are caught in a mindless neutrality between democracy and its saboteurs, between
0: fact and fiction. Yeah. Dangerous.
1: Here's another thing media does. Have you seen? I mean, with the uh, the the wonderful Crumbly family. Have you seen? Because I have more than once in a
0: story about the murderous child. That the picture. Some papers are choosing to run
1: is not the current pictures that we do have of the 15-year-old or his mugshot. They're going with this picture of him when he's like eight years old or something and his hands together in this prayerful, like a little choir boy, a little sweet white
0: Choir boy picture. What the hell's that about? Hmm? When white people kill, when white children kill,
1: we're shown their choir boy pictures. Not so much with a black person. Who's probably been killed. No, we
0: don't see anything except something negative. Guys, I'm sorry. Let me just uh, run through
1: some things that I wanted to share with you. Little things here, there, and not necessarily in the same uh, realm, but I grab them, and then I want to share them. So here's one, and think about this as we think about the little choir boy who killed four of his classmates and uh, grievously injured others. It's been 22 years, 22 years since the Columbine Massacre. Remember that? Yeah, because that was the first one. That was the one where students... Two guys went in and mowed down a whole bunch of their classmates. <laughs> 22 years. And since, I I, I don't have the number, <laughs> but we've become inured. So much so that when the Michigan shooting happened, I don't think any major American paper had that story above the fold. So that if it's sitting in a news box that you see it. Those are the most important stories. It's like, oh, another school shooting. It's been 22 years. And what have we as a country done? to prevent our children from being killed when we send them to school.
0: You know what solution we've had? We just keep making our children practice
1: what it is they should do when one of their classmates or somebody else comes into the school, armed to the teeth, intent on killing them so that's what we've done
0: absolutely nothing except
1: forcing every child in this country to think about the danger
0: of going to school. You saw, I'm sure, the Christmas card by the Kentucky
1: Republican congressman with his smiling family all holding these long guns. Uh, Smiling. Merry Christmas. How the hell? How the hell does someone think that celebrating the birth of Christ Hence Christmas. How can anyone think that the way you do that is to sit in front of your tree, the whole family, warmly together, all cradling weapons of mass destruction? And you send that card out literally a day after the choir boy has
0: mowed down four. my god do you know
1: here's another way of putting it the second amendment do you see is what the smiling christian congressman's family is is protecting very important to them the second amendment and you know how we say to someone in uniform or some of you do thank you for your service because we always say that soldiers in this country are defending our freedom are defending our constitution and they are willing
0: to die to do so well here's a fact more American children have died this year than members of the military
1: and they'll continue to die
0: because we protect, not our children
1: we protect the second amendment.
0: So those kids
1: died to protect the second amendment because we're not gonna do anything
0: about these school shootings. We've done nothing. Tom Wolf, the governor in this state, just vetoed a bill that
1: came to his desk out of the Republican legislature in this state. And it was a bill that would make it easier for people to have a concealed weapon of mass destruction. It made it so people did not need a license to carry
0: a concealed weapon. That's the kind of measures
1: coming out of the Republican legislature in Harrisburg. Are they concerned about our children? No, they're concerned about
0: widening the Second Amendment. Seeing. That horrific picture of that despicable congressman
1: and his family and their guns. I'm reminded of a few quotes. These are things I hang, uh, you know, hang on to because they're so right on the money. I haven't started hearing more on Christmas stuff uh, as I, I just haven't heard it as much this year. But then again, I'm not I'm avoiding such things. But you remember the war on Christmas. That's another one of the dividing P.S.E. things that Republicans get their base all excited about. Why they feel that they're being targeted. The Christians are the religion that is most targeted in this country. Uh huh. That's what Trumpers believe. And somebody had a really great idea. They say, you know, rather than putting Christ back in Christmas, I'd settle for putting Christ back in
0: Christians. Yeah.
1: And I can tell you, if Jesus Christ (laughs) saw what these people are doing in his name, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like Mahatma Gandhi said. He did say what I'm about to say. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so
0: unlike your Christ. Mm -hmm. There it is. Roger writes,
1: have you seen signs and bumper stickers saying put Christ back into Christmas? I, I haven't uh, seen that this year, but I mean I have in the past, yes. Guns on Christmas cards is putting – oh, my. All right. I You know, this is what the face of Christianity. It's a white national – I mean that – and I feel sorry for Christians. I know some. I do
0: who are true Christians. But you know what? It seems like they're in the minority. Marcus sent me his latest gas bill, it's double almost compared to last year
1: and says will this be a problem for biden and the democrats well yeah of course the problem is in is how people living their lives uh see uh their sense of the economy is my gas bill
0: doubled are the prices at the tank yeah that is a
1: problem and uh when inflation starts rearing its head um obviously the party in power is going to get burnt so unfortunately, Biden is in the White House, and we can't seem to get rid of the pandemic in part because Republicans mostly are deciding to die uh, rather than give Biden a win Um, I don't know
0: I just don't know Lynn writes
1: last week. you were telling us about a group of people who were especially celebrities who were channeling to communicate with Jesus. Yeah, there was this woman who says she's channeling Yeshua, the Old Testament Jesus, as as Jesus was. The New York Times article says, as Jesus was referred to in the Old Testament. And I said, Jesus isn't in the Old Testament. And Lynn writes, technically, you're right. However, the Old Testament does have references to Jesus in some of its books. Isaiah, for example. For us to, to for to us a child is born and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting. Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah. That's, those words are picked up by Handel in His incredible work, Messiah. Well, uh, yeah, that's not necessarily speaking of Jesus. Isaiah was a prophet, and he's making a prophecy.
0: And Jews still believe that. A child
1: will be born who will be a Prince of Peace. How the hell can anyone say that Jesus is the Prince of Peace when, look at the world, he came and this is what we get? Oh, then we're told, oh no, he's got to come again. See, Jews didn't buy it. Never is it said in the Old Testament that this guy named Yeshua is going to be the Prince of Peace. Jews. Not this one, believe in a Moshiach, a Messiah. Jews do not think the Moshiach has come, because if the Moshiach had come, he would usher in,
0: or she would usher in, peace. Christians believe Jesus pulled
1: off a whole bunch of miracles, but nobody could argue that he pulled off being the Prince of Peace.
0: I'm sorry. Forgive me. Lynn goes on. The Old Testament
1: prophets foretold of the coming of Christ. No, without using his name, but via metaphors. Well, it's only when people are writing the New Testament trying to sell, and very well they did it, too, the idea that this Jesus of Nazareth was, in fact, the Christ Christ the Messiah, did people go back and start finding things in the Old Testament that see, they prophesied that. No. They said someday a Moshiach will come.
0: It's Christians who see Jesus as
1: the embodiment of the Messiah. I've never understood how you can think that when, to me, a Messiah brings peace. (laughs) Look at the world, the last 2,000 years. And in fact, in his name, millions have been slaughtered. Excuse me, I'm getting pissed. Oh God, it's late. I'm sorry, I'll
0: go. Uh... Sorry. Sorry, Len. Didn't mean to get
1: so set off, but I just did. I have, I think it's Gandhi's uh, voice in my head. I like your Christ. It's your Christians, I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. The Jews are done with their Hanukkah, so you guys go for it now. Go for it.